everyone. Welcome back to the Live with Rachel podcast. I'm Rachel and today we're going to be continuing going through the book of Romans. And if this is your first time tuning in, I want to say hi, welcome. Currently on the podcast, we're doing a Bible study and my aim is to break it down into just really easy to understand small bites, you know, just a small 10 to 15 minute Bible study, nothing too major, nothing too long. So I really hope that you do enjoy it and you do understand it. So let's get right into it. In the last episode, we read that Paul was telling the Jews that they're just as bad as the Gentiles and that they're actually in the same boat in God's eyes. So they really didn't need to act so self-righteous and look down on the Gentiles. We also read about things like God's righteousness and how he judges according to truth and the revelation that God doesn't actually have favorites. Today, we're going to be reading through chapter 3, verses 9 to 20, so let's get right into it. It says this, Well then, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? No, not at all, for we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. As the scriptures say, No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul, like the stench of an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. So if you've read the previous chapters and you've followed along so far, you'd already know that Paul has already established that both the Gentiles and the Jews are guilty before God. But now here he's saying that no one, no one at all is perfect. We all sin, all of us. We're all capable of doing wrong and there's just no such thing as a morally good and perfect person because that person, that only person, is Jesus and no one can claim to be perfect but Jesus. Now, I'm just going to take a minute to explain something really quickly. So if you don't know anything about Christianity right now, you might be thinking, wow, that's super harsh, like calling everyone sinful and no one is good, like that's a bit extreme. So let me me explain this first. So I want to first say that the book Victory Over the Darkness by Neil T. Anderson was the first book I read on the subject that I'm just about to explain. And I think that book explained the concept very well. So if what I'm saying really intrigues you or still confuses you, I highly suggest that you check out that book because it explains it properly. There's even diagrams, but I'm going to try and summarize what is mentioned in the book really quickly. So If you read back in Genesis, you get the idea of the origins of humankind, our original purpose, and how exactly did we fall into sin. So for the sake of what I'm about to say, just say you understand that we have an outer self, which is a physical body that relates to the world through our five senses, and that we also have an inner self that relates to God and is created in his image, right? So being created in the image of God is what gives us the capacity to think, feel, and choose. And after God gave Adam and Eve life, 
They were both considered both physically and spiritually alive and in perfect union with God. So when you hear Christians talk about being spiritually alive or being in Christ or being in him, what they mean to say is that they are in union with God. Being spiritually alive means a couple of things. So first, when we're spiritually alive, we know our significance, meaning that we know that God has given us a divine purpose. We feel safe and secure because all of our needs are being provided for by God and we have a sense of belonging. So Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. They had nothing to hide. They didn't feel dirty or unclean. They were perfectly safe. So all of this can be found in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. But then if you continue reading, you'll see that all of that was shattered because of what what we called the fall. If you read Genesis chapter 3, you see that Adam and Eve were both tricked by Satan, who is the enemy, the devil, I'm sure you've heard. And they sinned and they spiritually died because of that. And that's why they're called the fall. Their union with God was severed because God specifically told them not to eat the forbidden fruit. But it does say in the word that like they died, but that doesn't mean that they like physically died immediately. Physical death was a later consequence from the fall. And then after that, they were cast out from the Garden of Eden and they were told they could never come back. So why am I explaining this? Well, it's because just like how we've inherited physical life from our first parents, Adam and Eve, we also inherited spiritual death from them as well. And because of that, every person who comes into the world is born physically alive, but spiritually dead and therefore separated from God. So thanks, Adam and Eve. (laughs) Anyway, what does this mean? Well, this means that instead of feeling like naturally that we feel like we belong, that we feel safe and secure with people and that we have a purpose in life, we actually tend to feel the opposite. We feel rejection, guilt, shame, weakness, helplessness, and all of that. And all sinful behavior is just a wrong attempt at trying to meet all of those basic needs. The essence of sin is humankind living independently of God, who is actually the one who will meet all of our needs as we live our life in Christ. So, yeah, does that make sense? Every temptation is an attempt by Satan to just get us to live our lives independently of God. He's tempting us and he's trying to appeal to our most basic and legit needs. And we're constantly faced with the question, are these needs going to be met by the world, the flesh, the devil, or... Are they going to be met by God who promises to meet all of our needs? So anyway, that is why Paul can say here that no one does right. It's because we're all born spiritually dead. We're all inherently controlled by sin in our minds, hearts, and will. And Paul backs up what he's saying here by quoting passages from the Old Testament. And there's a lot of repetition here, which is supposed to drive home the point that no one is perfect. We are all guilty before God. So verse 13 says, Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. So this is quoting from Psalm chapter 5 verse 9 and Psalm 140 verse 3. And verse 14 is quoting Psalm chapter 10 verse 7, I believe. And verses 15 to 17 is quoting Isaiah chapter 59, verse 7 to 8, and verse 18 is quoting Psalm 36, verse 1. So when you read all of these to, like together and you read these psalms in full, you get the full impact of how broken we can really be. 
So I'm going to read verses 13 to 14 again, and this time I'm going to read it in the contemporary English version. It says this, Their words are like an open pit, and their tongues are only good for telling lies. Each word is as deadly as the fangs of a snake, and they say nothing but bitter curses. Here, Paul is emphasizing each part of our speech, like the throat, the tongue, lips, the mouth. So this also connects very well to Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, which makes a reference about how our words and our character are actually linked together. And Jesus says in this verse, You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. And this ties into what I just said about being spiritually dead. We are all spiritually dead by nature and therefore only death comes out of our mouths. And it isn't until we acknowledge Jesus and say that he is Lord and we give our lives to him that our mouths no longer speak death, but they will speak life instead. So rereading verses 15 to 16 in the contemporary English version, it says, These people quickly become violent. Wherever they go, they leave ruin and destruction. So here Paul is emphasizing the feet, like the movement. So just like how a person's words can be dishonest and evil, a person's ways can also be equally destructive. If you read Ephesians 6, you see that the Christians' feet, their ways, they are covered in the gospel of peace, meaning that they'll bring peace wherever they go. But the unsaved person brings death and misery wherever they go. It might not be right away, but at some point it will always come. So Paul is saying that the lost, the unsaved person is walking down a wide road that leads to destruction and they need to change their minds and trust Jesus in order to get back onto the narrow road which leads to life. So verse 17 says, they don't know how to live in peace. It's a short and sweet verse. Paul's referring to the unsaved person's mind now. They don't know how to live in peace, they don't want to know God's truth, and they prefer to believe Satan's lies. God's way of peace is through Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, By faith we have been made acceptable to God, and now thanks to our Lord Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. This actually reminds me of how social media is today. I feel like whenever I'm on Instagram or TikTok, I always see people trying to post things that either just make them happy or laugh, or maybe it confuses them, but in a fun way. So they want to share it with the world. And there's just always people angrily commenting mean things or just unwarranted things. And they could have chosen peace. They could have chosen to just keep scrolling. But instead, they decided to stop and just ruin someone's happiness. It literally costs you nothing to keep scrolling, but you didn't choose peace. You chose problems. And so I feel like that's such an accurate representation of this verse. Anyway, moving on to verse 18, it says, they don't even fear God. So Paul here is emphasizing the unsaved person's arrogant pride. He's actually quoting Psalm 36 verse 1, which actually says, sinners don't respect God. Sin is all they think about. I also want to read here quickly Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7, which says, respect and obey the Lord. This is the beginning of knowledge. Only a fool rejects wisdom and good advice. So if we piece this together, not being able to live in peace is brought on because they don't fear God. And side note, this isn't like a, oh, I'm scared of you kind of fear. Like you're not actually scared of God. The fear that they're talking about here is like a reverential fear, like admiration, appreciative, like obedient kind of fear. The kind of fear that you have towards your parents or teachers, 
or anyone that you admire in authority. So that's what they mean by fear in this context. But yeah, so instead of that, it's actually they're being prideful because like what Proverbs says, the respect and obedience of God is the beginning of knowledge. In other translations, it also says like the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So after quoting all of these New Testament scriptures, which is important because the Old Testament is the Jewish law, it's very important to them, and it leads to one conclusion, that the whole world is guilty before God, and there may be people who want to argue with that, but every mouth is stopped anyway. There is no defense or debate about it. The whole world is guilty, Jews and Gentiles alike. The Jews stand condemned by their own law, which is the one thing that they boast about. They have their religious pride, like I said. And the Gentiles stand condemned because of the basis of creation and conscience. Like they should have the law written on their hearts by what they feel and by what they see around them in the world. So verse 20 says, God doesn't accept people simply because they obey the law. No, indeed, all the law does is to point out our sin. So nobody can do what the law demands, and this inability to do so is one way of showing people that they know they are sinful. When they fail, they just cry out to God for mercy and help. And so because they can't follow the law, you know, God must save them by some other means. And so for the rest of the letter of Romans, this is exactly what Paul is trying to explain to them. How can God save us if not by the law? So to wrap this episode up, we can think about things like, am I boasting in my own self-righteousness and defending myself before God? Because if you find yourself in that position, then I would lovingly tell you that maybe you might not have fully comprehended and accepted God's grace. Because it's only when we're able to stand completely silent before God as sinners that he can actually save us. As long as we're defending ourselves and commending ourselves and saying, oh, I'm not that bad, I haven't killed anyone at least, or whatever defense you want to tell yourself, we can't be saved by God's grace. So the bottom line of this whole section is that the whole world is guilty before God. Even even you and me, we are all guilty. And that is exactly why we need Jesus. So that's the end of the episode. I know that this was a bit of a tough one, but trust me, keep reading, keep listening. It's going to get a whole lot more encouraging soon. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll catch you in the next episode. Okay. Bye everyone.